I'm Tavis Smiley, and uh, we are in our third and final hour of today's program, and I'm delighted to have you along with us. In this hour, we'll talk to actress, producer, writer, and syndicated radio host and comedian Amanda Seals about her new political comedy documentary, In Amanda We Trust. How she even found time to do this, I do not know, because she's doing uh, she's doing so many things these days. Um, but I, I love her her right to self determination and uh, her her she's a force when it comes to producing her own content and i love that i celebrate that we'll talk about that in this hour about uh being so independent in the stuff that she's pushing out but this uh new documentary again it's a political comedy doc it's called in amanda we trust here is some of the sound from the special and then we'll get to amanda Hello, thank you everybody for coming. I'm Amanda Seals. I brought you all here to make a major announcement. Are you going back to the real? No, it got canceled. What are you talking about? You pregnant too? What? That is rude. But everybody is pregnant, right? <laughs> That's crazy. So who's the father? Derek. Derek Dubois. That's the father. Are you happy? Is that really your head? Are you biracial? I, no, I'm not biracial. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, I'm not. Clearly there's mass up in here, but my parents are both black, black. You starting a podcast. I've, I've had a podcast for five years, small doses. Check it out. You? Do you still hate black men? I have never, y'all. I have never hated black men. I just am not a fan of <laughs> Have you changed your stance on passports? No, wow. <laughs> I'm bringing up, oh, shit. no, I still think if you have money for Jordans and tracksuits and you are not in possession of a passport, you're losing, especially if you live in Florida. Get out of there. Is your mother white? You're joking, right? I... Okay, reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time. I was want to do that. I came here to tell y'all this. <clears throat> Four score and seven pandemic years ago. We the people, in order to have a dream, used to read Word Up magazine. Girl, what are you trying to say? Okay, I was trying to be presidential. Really what I'm trying to say is, I came here today to announce that after four years, I've decided to drop a political comedy documentary. Oh, oh, oh that's man. It. Oh, that's it? Yes, that's it. I don't, what you doing? You ain't here in the middle of the day. You don't got a job? Look out for In Amanda We Trust coming soon. Is it gonna be on HBO? No, it is not gonna be on HBO. They said they don't have room. Uh, so I did it myself, cause I didn't wanna wait for nobody. You feel me? Yes, that insecure money is being put to good use. Black women doing things. So y'all gonna have my back, right? <laughs> cause I got a mortgage. You're gonna help me seals the deal. <laughs> And I'm gonna be hitting the campaign trail to remind y'all I got these jokes. So look out for when I'm at a spot near you. All right, go to inamandawetrust.com. Everybody know light-skinned folks ain't funny. Can you just watch the trailer, please? In a world where deception and power rules, one brave woman answers the call of the people. I think I'm gonna run for office. And ventures to the nation's capital to bring a trusted voice to the halls of democracy. I mean, if I ran, do you think you would vote for me? Yeah. It depends. Oh, oh. it depends. Oh. 
I came through because I wanted to get some insight from some folks who are already on the inside. And uh, well, your Afro is needed here. <laughs> no one is going to believe me in this. You know what? You never told me. What are you running for? The question really is, what are we running to? I'm running to the people. <laughs> How well do you think you know government? I went to school. I can answer a couple questions. How are you fighting the colonization? Are you doing martial arts? <laughs> if I were in any office, from alderman to state senator to Republican, I'm like, what Satan just flew into the my Santa's mouth? The came in here, right? That's what happened. In Amanda We Trust, an unapologetically political comedy doc from Amanda Seals, coming soon to the internet. Hear that motorcade? That's Kamala going home. That could be me. In AmandaWeTrust.com. Well, it's really not coming soon. It actually came on Friday. And when we come forward, we'll talk to Amanda Seals about the new doc in Amanda We Trust on Tavis Smiley. Unapologetically progressive. progressive. Unapologetically black. Black, black. You're tapped into Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Let's get back to more of Tavis Smiley right now. Amanda Seals, I was saying to the audience a moment ago um, that uh, I celebrate. I, I mean, I mean this sincerely. I am such a fan of the way you are approaching the growth uh, of your career, uh, and that is to say doing things independently. I raise that because uh, in the trailer that we heard, uh, we heard somebody ask, is it going to be on HBO? And you said, uh, no, it's not going to be on HBO. They said they didn't have the space. So let me start by, first of all, saying congratulations and, and by asking um, uh, where it is that this, this, this spirit, this streak in you comes to do what you want to do on your own terms. Ooh, um, I think the spirit of that just comes from, well, one, I feel like black women are accustomed to kind of just having to figure things out mm -hmm. ourselves because mm -hmm. it's like the space isn't, we're very rarely considered when spaces are being created. Yeah. So we have to then create the space ourselves. Um, and I think there's also just the idea that I know my tolerance for people and foolishness is very slim, Tavish. <laughs> so if I'm doing it myself, I know that I can manage that in a far yeah. greater way than putting myself into a system, which, you know, you got to kind of do both at present. Like, I'm not in a Tyler Perry situation where I just have enough wealth to just all, you know, just kind of just be the captain of my own ship on all fronts. Mm -hmm. But I'm working towards that. And yeah. uh, you all supporting allows for that to continue to thrive. Nope. Um honored to do so um let me let me let me let me get serious for a second here and then we'll get to the comedy stuff here we just had uh, a conversation on this program before you came on in our last hour about uh, a new poll that's out that you probably see, you probably saw you doing your own syndicated program these days uh, but there, there have been a number of these polls of late but uh, this one in the new york times finds that uh, never mind our political beliefs most americans these days agree on one thing that we are failing as a nation Democrats and Republicans uh, apparently share a sense of doom. Many believe that our democracy is on the precipice of failing. Uh, our democracy, put another way, is fragile. To quote Atlantic Star, it's a fragile situation that could fall apart at any time. Um, so many of us, Republican and Democrat, believe that. What's fascinating about this poll, again, I just discussing this in our last hour, what's fascinating is that gender 
is the defining characteristic associated with this pessimistic outlook. Both Democratic and Republican women, uh, and that includes, of course, many black women, are more likely than their male counterparts to feel this sort of fatalism about our future. I hear your comment you made a moment ago that black women have always had to figure things out for themselves, but apparently more women than men these days are feeling uh, pessimistic about the future of this country, according to the data. What say Amanda Seals about that? I mean, I think that that's probably associated with the fact that there are still so many men that are in power and... You know, we are at a time where we're seeing a lot more awareness amongst women outside of this thought process that men are the ones who need to run things. And for a long time, that was really a shared concept by everybody, this Mm -hmm. kind of patriarchal uh, acceptance that, you know, men are the ones who need to lead. And it's like, well, okay, you know, ultimately, I don't think it's a gender-based scenario in terms of who needs to lead. It's an individual scenario that we need to look at. And I think women are tired of feeling like um, there's a need to have more of a diverse mind state of people in place, but there's still a structural support that, that puts men at the helm. And when we as women are seeing men making decisions about our bodies, about children, about, um, you know, who gets access to, to their rights, we're looking at it and saying, well, these are people that have always had access and they're still using their power to limit. So that is very disheartening. Mm. Um, let me let me let me again pivot once again here. You you, you are smart, black and funny, as we all know. <laughs> uh, and mm. I, I want to start with that first one. You're, but you're really, really smart. And I raised this because I, I was in a conversation literally just last night uh, about whether black people um can handle smart radio. I mean, obviously what we're doing here is is unapologetically progressive, but it, it, it it's smart. And we were in a real spirited conversation about whether or not our people are just conditioned and acculturated in a way where when you're doing radio, it's got to be with comedians. Uh, let's face it, most of the, the, the black radio shows that are syndicated happen to be hosted by comedians, whether it's Ricky Smiley or Steve Harvey, you know, D.L. Hughley, Amanda yeah. Seals. Yeah, run, run the list. All of y'all are comedians. And yet, you know, I'm not casting aspersions on anybody else. You're really, really smart and maybe smarter than all the other black comedians who are hosting radio Shut shows. Up. Don't get me in trouble. I, no, I, I said it. You didn't say it. I said it. I said <laughs> it. You didn't say it. So if anybody gets in trouble, it'll be me. And I'm used to that. And again, I'm not. Dio's my boy. He's on this station every day. You know, the station, my, my home station in L.A. We, we run Dio. Right. So yep. that's my boy. I ain't dogging nobody. I'm just saying you're really smart. And I'm wondering what your read on that would be, whether or not when it comes to putting out content these days, in a radio format, or for that matter, a television uh, format, black people in particular are ready to receive not just the funny, but the smart, not just the, co- the, 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 the comedy, but the commentary. What are you finding with regard to your syndicated program these days? I mean, I'm very pleasantly surprised with how often we are uh, contacted by folks saying, thank you so much. This is the content that we need. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, having an appreciation for the balance that we strive for in terms of giving information as well as giving, you know, some humorous insight. I mean, my comedy, 
just in general is really grounded in how do I use humor to also teach mm-hmm. and educate. So I feel like it's it's a very natural thing. But ultimately, everything goes in cycles. Um, you know, we, we also came from an era where P.D. Green was saying what needed to be said on the air, right? Yeah, so it's not yeah, like yeah. we haven't had folks before. And I think what we're seeing now, though, is that people are starting to realize just and it's slow, but it's happening. They're starting to realize how dire uh, a reality is of, of, of our rights and of this country's efforts to really roll back time. I think a lot of black folks are starting to open their eyes and see that their rights that they have can be taken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. They were given. It wasn't an entitlement, and it should have been. But it hasn't been considered that in this country, and they can be taken. And so they're starting to understand that the only way that this is going to change is by us actually doing something to change it. And if we don't know what's actually going on, we won't actually know what to do. So I'm starting to see a lot more of a response, even with dropping the documentary in Amanda We Trust, which in its core is is decisively wanting to get people curious and interested in how they can be involved in you know civics Mm -hmm. we don't have that as a part of our culture anymore and we did i mean that was so much of the effort of the 40s 50s and 60s was getting black people to see like we have to consider voting we have to consider government involvement as a part of our culture there have been concerted efforts since reconstruction Mm -hmm. to make us feel like that's not a part of our culture and it's been effective so i'm glad to see that people are starting to turn around and say wait a minute Hold up. Like whenever I see black people say, like, I don't vote because, you know, I'm withholding my vote. I'm like, that is so backwards. And it really is not progressive and radical in the way that you think it is. (laughs) I trust me. No, I hear your point. And I agree with that. Um, I hear the point you made a moment ago about civics. I'm I'm driving this conversation or driving toward rather a conversation about your your doc specifically. I want to get there. We'll do that in just a second here. Um, But but you said something else. I want to just give you a chance to unpack for me before I get straight away into the documentary. I'm glad I've got you for the rest of the hour because there's a lot to talk about vis-a-vis the doc. So we'll do that in a second here. But this point you made a moment ago uh, about black people waking up and realizing that our rights can be taken away. The point that I made earlier uh, about our democracy being fragile and people being fatalistic. Uh, we had another conversation in our first hour today. Freddie Haynes, Dr. Frederick Haynes, who just took over from Jesse Jackson as the president of Rainbow mm. Push Coalition. I love uh, Freddie Haynes, brilliant brother, pastor of a major mega church in Dallas. Just a, a great guy. I've known him for many years. You and I were having this conversation about the fact that if you don't have eight years of Barack Obama, Donald Trump doesn't happen when he happens. Um, so yep. that so that that many of us believe that Donald Trump uh, as president was a backlash or a blacklash, if you will, to eight yeah. years to eight years of Barack Obama. I, I sense that you don't necessarily disagree with that. My question is whether or not you think that when it comes to black people who are now waking up. Uh, to use your phrase, and seeing things that we didn't see before uh, and recognizing where we are in this journey in this place called America, I wonder whether or not you think in that eight years of Obama, some of us were just sort of sleepwalking and we got uh, accustomed uh, in that eight-year period to having a, a brother and a sister in the White House and really didn't see all the hell breaking loose that has happened since Obama's two terms, that we didn't, that we just, that we just weren't ready and didn't see this white supremacist in Donald Trump rising up? I think it starts before Obama. I think it starts with Bill Clinton. Okay, fair enough. 
um, the sense of complacency, okay. the feeling of safety, the false sense of security and safety in this country. Mm-hmm. You know, when folks were saying that Bill Clinton was the new was the first black president, we should. That's when it started to go left mm-hmm. because he was not the first black president. Ain't no governor of Arkansas the first black anything. Cut it out. <laughs> so, <laughs> although you you recognize though the first person to tell that joke was Toni Morrison, just for the record. I did not know that. So Tony, that means great minds do think alike. Tony Morrison <laughs> said it first. Yeah. Uh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> so I, I feel honored to know that. Yeah. That's not the first time that's happened. Yeah. Uh, but I really feel like there's just something to be said for the ease with which we have become complacent on the heels of access to whiteness and money. Mm. And there in Obama becoming president there was this beacon for a lot of people that meant, well, if we've got a black man at the role of president, then that means there's now a new gateway, a new portal to access of whiteness and money that we can now all go to. And it was a false sense of reality for folks. And, you know, it's even in your success and my success, it's a false sense of reality because what we don't understand is that we simply have slipped through cracks. Mm. Okay. Mm. They're, they're they're simply just fissures. Mm-hmm. We didn't walk through a gate that was open for us. Yeah. We slipped through, and yes. in order for us to slip through, it required us to have so many things in line. And that is the that right there lets you know that the equality is not the same. I got to have everything lined up in order to fit through that little skinny crack to get through to some level of access. Mm-hmm. So I think for Black folks, it's it, Obama represented that in a false sense of security and. What I think a lot of us didn't realize uh, is that that was when we needed to turn up, not turn down. Yeah, uh, I love that. Um, uh, that, uh, that as we say in the black church, that, that'll preach. <laughs> that that notion, <laughs> that'll preach that that the, that we slipped through some fissures, we slipped through some cracks. Didn't nobody open up no gate and say y'all come? It didn't happen that no. way. So for for Amanda and Tavis and others who've done, you know, been blessed to do well, we we fell through some cracks. A, a, a gate again uh-huh. has not been opened. To, to my mind, one of the most troubling things about the way we perceive, we black folk perceive the Obama era. And I remember, you know, talking to Will Smith about this because Will said this publicly and he wasn't the only one. So I'm bashing on Will Smith. But there were a lot of people in their irrational exuberance during that era um, were saying things publicly like the fact that Obama was president meant that anything is possible. <laughs> that, that, that black folk can do anything. If a black man can be president, anything is possible. And I think some of us started to believe that, Amanda. And now we know that's not true. Well, it's just, I mean, it's, it's myopic, right? Like it's, it's not intellectual in that it doesn't acknowledge the fact that he was put in that position, you know, like, just like you and I, Obama did not make it to president because the gatekeepers were like, it's time for a black man, (laughs) you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, no, there was a methodology around that and he needed to represent in a certain way and he needed to you know operate a certain way for him to have that role but it was still the deciders who allowed for that and until we truly acknowledge that we are not at the table we can't say things like anything is possible for black people Mm -hmm. it's like no our ability to thrive in spite of is not the same as the whole space is open for us. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So I just think, you know, I think it's, I think it, I think he came from a really good place and this kind of idea of, um, you know, wanting Obama to be representational of, of possibility. Uh, but we also must remember that within that concept of possibility, there are still very strong systems in place. And I think it really is a problem when black folks act as if access is somehow a representation of the, uh, the dissolution of institutions of racism, which are 100% in place mm -hmm. and very often deploy uh, points of light to distract folks from the darkness that continues to strive. She's brilliant. <laughs> that last that last frame was, was brilliant. Um, she's Amanda Seals. Uh, her new political comedy documentary is called In Amanda We Trust. It dropped on Friday. And when we come forward, we'll tell you all about where you can see the documentary. We'll talk more about why she did the documentary, what she hopes to accomplish uh, by the documentary. I had a chance to watch it last week. Amanda sent me a, a, a screener before it dropped. And I, I had a field day watching it. Uh, and I, I love that she did it. And I, I, there, there are messages here. Uh, I love when, when people are, are gifted enough to entertain and empower in the same space without feeling like you're proselytizing. And I think she accomplished that quite nicely. Um, so we'll let Amanda tell you about this documentary when we come forward in conversation with her on Tavis Smiley. This is getting good. Yeah, man. Tavis Smiley, Smiley continues when we come forward. forward. He's rooting for everybody black. Everybody black. black. More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. Right now. Right now. More of Amanda Seals coming your way right now. In case you've just tuned in, she has a new political comedy documentary out. It's called In Amanda We Trust. It dropped on Friday. It is funny, but it's also insightful. And I am pleased to be in dialogue right now with our friend and sister, Amanda Seals. So, Amanda, um, as I said, I saw the piece. I loved it. Um, and, and, and there are some messages in here. Let me just start with a broad question about how you approached putting this together when you knew that there was you know there was there was there was a point to it there was a message you wanted to get out as i said earlier but you don't want to politically proselytize in something you want to be funny and you want to be entertaining so tell me about your approach so you know this is actually one of those things where uh i just had to kind of follow where i was being pulled because my original vision was to do a traditional stand-up special mm -hmm. and so that's how i went into this I had my last special release on HBO in 2019, Abby Nowen, and, you know, we had the pandemic, and there just hadn't been another opportunity for me to be back on stage. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to create that opportunity. I'm going to do a special. Mm -hmm. So then when I started the process of the special, though, it was like, even if you go to a studio, the, the numbers ain't the same as they were in 2019 in terms of what they want to pay for a special. They're also, like I said in the, in the promo, HBO told me they didn't have room, mm. which I found hilarious. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I said, okay, I'm going to do this myself. But in doing it yourself, you also are going to have to not just pay to get it done, but pay to promote. And so it was at that time I realized, oh, baby, you're not wealthy. <laughs> so, how do you do this, you know, at the level of your taste, but also at the level of your pocket? Mm -hmm. So I said to myself, okay, um, maybe I'll, I'll use some footage. So I had, I had shot... Um, this uh, set that I did at the Kennedy Center last year, and I said, okay, I'm going to use that, but then I'll, I'll go back to D.C. and I'll do some segments that I can put in between that. And uh, that was my vision. But when we actually went to D.C. and we shot the segments, we realized that 
the segments themselves were so robust and so dense and actually told a story that needed to get out there uh, devoid of me just telling jokes on stage, which don't get me wrong, like my comedy is political, mm-hmm. but it felt like this was a, this, this now had another, another level of um, texture to it and uniqueness because I haven't seen anything like this documentary done by my peers. Mm-hmm. And so that felt more uh, advantageous mm-hmm. and we decided to just scrap the stand-up. You hear stand-up in the, in the documentary during sure. the transition, but the actual purpose of the documentary took on a life of its own when we realized, you know what, we were, we were pulled here to do this, but we were given something so much greater than we set out for. And so that's how it developed. And everyone who knows me and who has been following me on Instagram understands that my real true passion around how we can be politically involved and be the change that we wish to see um, is not inauthentic. And so this project allowed me to take that passion and, put it into practice and create art, which is all of the goal. You, you used the word purpose a moment ago. So what, what to your mind was or is the purpose of the doc? The purpose of the doc is to excite people, to make them curious, to get them engaged in the concept of we as a people involving ourselves in government, not just with voting and action, but also intellectually. Mm-hmm. We need to know how our government works in order to use it. And, it, you know, in, a, in the simplest form, people say, pimp the system. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, <laughs> you know, but in reality, <laughs> you, can, you can change that first word to whatever you need to, but ultimately mm-hmm. you have to acknowledge that there is a system in order to dismantle it. And so this documentary is a humorous, but also insightful look at just the basics that a lot of people don't know about in terms of the system. And a reflection for folks on some people that are within this system. So we interview Representative Bowman. We represented. Uh, we, re- we interview Representative Ilhan Omar, and they speak to what's going on behind the stages. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say stages. That was a Freudian slip because I do feel like these politicians be thinking they're on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but behind the doors in Congress, right? Like, why are we not seeing bills passed? What is going on? And I, I really am proud of myself for creating a space for them to speak as people, not as politicians. And I think it's really important for us to see that because as we are stepping into this new election year, we have to stop voting emotionally. Mm. We have to stop voting emotionally. I don't care if that person dresses the way you like or they sound the way you like, the same way that you can't date emotionally. Mm-hmm. That's great that this person is charming. They're probably a narcissist. <laughs> like <laughs> we have to really become better about how we identify those who are going to be speaking on our behalf. And we have to come from a healed place and we have to come from a knowledge base. And so I hope that this documentary uh one it, exposes that for some and makes them say, dang, I want to be a part of that. And for those who already feel like they're in that space, I hope it gives them even more of a boost to say, yeah, I got to be more vocal about this with my people with my, and, and with myself and really like get to get back to the basics because this is not something we haven't been at before. But when you asked earlier about like the Obama of things mm-hmm. and how did, and how that made us complacent, I think one of the other ways it made us complacent is it made black folks feel like, oh, y'all got this. Mm-hmm. Y'all got this government thing. We don't got to really be in this no more because we did it. 
They, you know, our, 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 our peoples had to die for us to vote and we mm-hmm. could vote. And now, look, we voted. We got a black man in office. What do we need to do now? We don't got to do nothing else. We do. Yeah. Um, to your point about the, the representatives that you interviewed, uh, I, <laughs> I was I was waiting with bated breath when you asked this uh, first question. It may have not been the first question, but certainly <laughs> early, you, you, you're laughing. So, you know, where I'm going yes. already. Um, yep. I, I was I was waiting for his answer when you ask him, you know, you, you you can tell me what the exact question was. But the point the point of the question was, so how well do you understand how this process works? Um, yep. And I was really struck by this answer from a member of Congress who says to you, I'm not so sure I understand how all this. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm talking about, right? Take, take, so take, take it away. Yeah. Take it away, man. Take it away. Well, I asked, you know, Representative Bowman, how well do you feel like you know how government works? Mm-hmm. He said I would give myself about a C. I would consider myself a C student. And I was really shocked by that. So was I. Right? Because <laughs> yeah. you're in it. Yeah. And he said, you know, I'm not a constitutional scholar. He said, um, you know, I do know how policy affects people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of how the inner workings of this place works, it is a is, is a learning curve. And I was shocked for two reasons. One, because I'm just like, how you in here? You don't know how to go. <laughs> but then two, I was shocked by the willing to be transparent. Yes. The willingness to be transparent. Yes. Um, because that, I feel, is a shared sentiment by many people in Congress, right? Because the, the goals post is always moving. Mm-hmm. And the other question I asked him is, well, what's it, who's it been easier to work with? Eighth graders, because he used to be a principal, eighth graders or Congress. And he said it was easier to work with eighth graders. However, Congress people lie mm-hmm. more often than eighth graders rare, more, <laughs> and more regularly on the record. Yeah. And they should know better. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think it, it spoke a lot to, and they continued, you know, they, they expounded upon this further, just the ways in which the system as it is, as it is in place in order for bills to get passed and is, as legislation, in order for legislation to move, it's really a flawed system that, you know, if you don't have the right folks at the helm, it just comes to a standstill, which is where we are right now. Yeah. No, I was, uh, as you said, struck by his, uh, his honesty, um, struck by his uh, transparency, um, but I think, um, if you talk to most folk who haven't been on the Hill for 40 years, they'd give you the same answer if they're being honest, that they're there, but understanding how this process actually works is a very different thing. And so I, again, I appreciated his, his candor in that moment. We're talking with Amanda Seals, her new political comedy doc is called in Amanda, we trust more with Amanda Seals. When we come forward on Tavis Smiley. More of Tavis Smiley. When we come forward. More honesty than you can handle. More empowerment than you can imagine. You're tuned in to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Amanda Seals' new documentary is called In Amanda We Trust. In Amanda We Trust. We're talking about that and a few other things in this hour. Uh, Amanda, you said moments ago, and I want to come back to this, um, that we have to stop voting emotionally, uh, which leads me to ask whether or not you think that's unique to black folk. Uh, Are we the only persons that vote emotionally? Absolutely not. Look at these fools voting for Trump. <laughs> it's my question. Exactly. So we, we have to stop doing no, it. But, 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 we, but by but us, you didn't mean just, uh, yeah, okay, the repercussions. Yeah. But the repercussions of doing so affect us uniquely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to be far. We, we have to be smarter. Like we talk about this all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. That in order to break through those cracks that I talked about earlier, you know, you got to be two times as smart. You got to work two times as hard. That hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. We we do have to do that in to our own for our own survival. 
Like, we need to stop expecting these folks to think about us. And then we say to ourselves, well, I don't care if they don't think about us. We got to think about ourselves and we're not going to worry about them. Baby, that's, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a metaphor on the spot to, to describe what that is. But it's like, you know, that's like you in the middle of a basketball game and you just like, well, I don't got to dribble because mm-hmm. I'm doing my own thing. Well, baby, they're going to leave you and they're going to keep scoring on you. So mm-hmm. what are you doing? We have to be engaged. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's the only thing we have to do. I always say it's vote and. Mm-hmm. It is vote and. And, you know, I, I, one of the metaphors I, I, I've been using lately is to speak about, like, the Berlin Wall did not come down from one side. Mm-hmm. It came down from both sides. All right. You mm-hmm. need folks on the inside and the outside. Yeah. I am not out here saying that, you know, reform is going to fix this. I am not a reformist by any stretch of the imagination. But I do know that you've got to be hitting it from all sides. And the only way to do that is to be supporting both sides. We have to be supporting those on the inside. We also have to be supporting the organizers and the activists on the outside, on the ground. And we have to be doing this from the ground up. Let me let me take that both sides uh, metaphor uh, and stretch it if mm-hmm. I can. Um, I, when you said mm-hmm. when you said both sides, you meant that as you defined as inside and outside. Uh, let me let me stretch it and 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 press you on whether both sides could also mean on the left and on the right. No. Okay. <laughs> I expe- <laughs> I expected you to cut me off real quick there, but tell me why. And I'm not not even asking that, but tell me why you feel that way. I understand the agenda they're pushing. Uh, you know, Tim Scott and Will Hurd, there are and Larry Elder. There are a few black people running right now for the for the GOP nomination. But why Kim, why can't Kim folk? I got you. Skin, I get it. T- tell but but there are those who believe i mean who sincerely earnestly believe that we ought to be on both sides of the aisle and you feel differently you know there's there's something that a lot of folks fail to acknowledge which is the difference between the past and the present right we love to reference the past as some sort of um explanation for what we should do in the present right. without acknowledging that things change mm-hmm. okay i will be the first to say there have been times where the Democrats and the Republicans look the same, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, well, it's all white folks on both sides. It's all folks that are, you know, corporatized and, you know, b- bending to lobbyists. And I by no means think that Democrats are infallible by any stretch of the imagination. However, at the current present state where we are, it is absolutely under no uncertain terms that Republicans are only in support of corporate greed. They absolutely want to limit access to rights by anyone who does not follow their uh, Christian white nationalist creed. And they are in no way hiding that they are in support of the NRA because the NRA is giving them bread, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can't, you can't just absolve those realities to make some general consensus of like it's both sides doing or both sides need to be – the Republicans have made their point clear. They have made their platform abundantly clear. The black men and, and women who are Republican are also in support of this white nationalist Christian rhetoric. Like it, They are anti-black, and they have asserted it over and over and over again. So it's not even about race in that regard. It's about who's perpetuating that agenda. On the Democratic side, they simply are just not doing that. Yeah. And we have to acknowledge that. And it doesn't mean... It doesn't mean that the Democrats are the saviors. But I also want to just point out to folks, we, because we live in a nation that has by, by and large uh, been functioning against 
or with a Christian mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Within Christianity, we can say that Jesus is, that's the head honcho, okay? Mm-hmm. It's Jesus and God. But there, it is this idea that there is one Savior. Mm-hmm. And so we somehow have also applied that to government. Yeah, and we sure. say, well, if we, you know, we're like, well, this candidate, we, we need the right candidate. We know it's, a, it's about the candidates. We're not getting the right candidate. And it's like, I don't know what y'all think this is, but this is not the Bible, okay? Yeah. Nope. This is government, and these people are people just like you who decided, I want to be in position to either have power or to create change. Yeah. Nope, I received that. Um, when we come forward in our remaining moments with Amanda Seals, I want to talk about civics. She raised that earlier. Specifically, um, I, want, I want to connect civics to this notion of cynicism and skepticism. I'll explain it when we come forward on Tavis Smile. You're listening to Tavis Smile. Tavis Smile. Rank number 45 on the heavy 100 list of the 100 most important radio talk show hosts in America. Helping to make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. Just three minutes left here with Amanda Seals. Three quick minutes. I want to do two things right quick in these three minutes. Number one, you mentioned civics earlier. I wonder um, how you get people to really focus or care about civics, Amanda, when, in my view, most fellow citizens have moved from being not just skeptical about government, but cynical about government. Um, I think the reality is that you should be cynical about government Mm. and we need to remain cynical about government. And I don't think that's a problem. I think the cynicism is what should keep us engaged and what should be at, at the end of the day, the cynicism reminds us that we should not sleep on the job Mm -hmm. (laughs) when it comes to getting, um, the folks that are supposed to be in our stead working for us. And if that requires cynicism for now, then so be it. But we have this, we have this like, uh, we've been, uh, many of us, not everybody, but many of us have been programmed to think these people are going to be put in power and then we can just rest because they're going to take care of us. That's yeah. not your mother. Yeah. And, and, and even with that, we all know that even our parents, we have to be like, hey, 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 get in line. So the reality is that your politicians are working for you. And the same way that anyone else who is working for you, you have to monitor and say, hey, like, can we make these changes? Can we make these shifts? You know, that's an awareness that you have to have. For now, it looks, it's looked at as cynicism. The more involved we get, the more empowered we feel, it will, it will transfer from cynicism to focus. In the last 60 seconds I'll give to you, I don't need to tell you how to do this. You do it quite well. So uh, uh, promote your doc and tell folks where they can see it. Do, do, do your Amanda Seals thing. Go ahead and seals the deal. So first of all, thank you as always, Tavis, for <laughs> creating a space for me to seal the deal. Y'all can check out my independently produced political comedy documentary, In Amanda We Trust, available at inamandawetrust.com. It is a uh, work of love. It is a work of art that is about that is not about just saying, hey, we matter, but it's about saying you matter. And I hope that you guys will check it out and uh, understand that when you paid to watch this project you are not supporting a white man sitting on a field behind some buffalo talking about uh (laughs) why his company shouldn't have to pay laborers what they deserve so check out inamandawetrust.com also you can follow me on instagram at amanda seals and check out my syndicated radio show the amanda seals show she knows how to do it and i ain't mad at her Uh, amanda love you thank you for the opportunity uh congrats again on the on the uh, powerful documentary in amandawetrust.com talk to you soon sis take care of yourself Thank you. Peace out. Thank you.